You're listening to the Scottsdale Podcast, which features our Sunday sermons. If you would like to learn more about what God is doing in the life of Scottsdale Baptist Church, visit our website at scottsdale.org. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Scotts Hill. So happy to have all of you here. Those of you who are watching us online, we're happy that you're inviting us into your home today. My name is Phil Ortigo. I serve as a senior pastor here if this is your first time here, and we're just happy to say we're glad to have you join us today. We are ending our series today on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and today we're wrapping it up in chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. So if you have your Bibles, open them there. Um, If you have devices, turn to Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Before we jump in, I got a couple of announcements I need to make. We're ending this series today, but we're starting a new series next week that we're calling The Elephant in the Room. And the elephant in the room is dealing with some cultural topics that are hot button issues in our culture today. But we want to look at them from the perspective of God's word with a biblical worldview. And we're going to be looking at all of these topics. We're going to take the month of August to look at four specific areas that we feel are vitally important for the church to understand. And how do we, as a body, minister the gospel in the midst of such changes in our culture? So you're not going to miss that. That begins next week. Now, another piece of information I want to share with you is you can look around the room and we're completely full at the 915 service. As a matter of fact, we're so full that people are either leaving or they're going to an overflow room. As we got together as a staff and we were looking at what's coming down in September when people start coming back regularly, we're going to be completely out of space. So I'm making an announcement today that three weeks from today, August the 20th, we are launching our fourth service here in the Cross Point Center at 915. Now let me help you understand what happens. That is not an overflow This is a place where that's set up the exact same way as what you're experiencing here. All music is live. We have a pastor on the platform there that's going to greet and welcome people every week. Um, You're going to have the same excellence and everything that you experience here, you're going to experience in the cross point setting. There are only two things that will be different. You will not have live preaching every week. It will be streamed live from here to the cross point center. But the second thing is you will have refreshments and coffee being served. So you can go and, and depending on you know, what your, your, your tastes are, our refreshments can uh, fit that. Um, steak and eggs and things like that. But no, here's, here's what we need though. In order for this to work, we, this is not an overflow thing. We're asking for about 125 people in this setting to 150 people to make a commitment and said, that's where we're going to worship on Sunday mornings. We're going to bring our family there. We're going to bring our friends there. We're going to bring our neighbors there. That's going to be where we go to worship. And so we want you to carefully pray about these issues. If there's any way that you can say, hey, I can be a part of that to make room for continued growth, 
I want to be a part of that. We did that at 11 o'clock, and now we've got a strong number. We're filling this place back up. The Crosspoint Center is growing strong at 11, and when we move to that, that will give us the capacity to have 2,000 people in worship every Sunday. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that missionary plan and go be a part of that. So you're going to hear this for the next three weeks. And so we're going to ask you to consider to do that, and we're going to have an opportunity for you to say, hey, count me in so we can know who's going to be there. All right? Good. Well, listen, we're finishing up chapter seven of the Sermon on the Mount. And where we end today is Jesus concludes with another story, with a parable. And he concludes with a parable of building and building projects. Now, none of us are strangers of building projects. Some of you are building homes. Some of you are remodeling homes. And we live in communities right now where all around us neighborhoods are being built. And you know that there are all kinds of building plans. There are some plans that are very, very elaborate. There are some plans that are moderate and modest. And then there are some plans that are, well, how do I say this? Redneck. And, and we live in a, uh, an area where you could see all of those. And let me just give you some illustrations on the different kinds of building plans that people have. For those who want to live in a high-rise district that they want to feel significant, you can go to Miami, and there's this elaborate high-rise apartment complex. You can live there in an exquisite building with an incredibly... <laughs> elegant price tag with it. But you can go there and you can live in this high rise. This is for people who have an elaborate building program. But then there are people who are more modest at the beach and you can have somewhat of a high rise and you can live on a nice beach area, whether that's Wrightsville Beach or Topsail Beach or, or Carolina Beach or wherever it is, it's more moderate. So you can do that. Or you can pursue the redneck way of a high rise. <laughs> Now, now, the guy has a lot of confidence because he parks his truck underneath it. So that, that's, that's, you can see the difference in the building plans. But then, then I thought, well, what about some really, really expensive projects? How about this gorgeous mansion? I mean, it's exquisite, it's beautiful. I mean, the grounds are well kept. And then you can go to a smaller town and find more of a modest mansion, which is incredible. Or you can go to the hills and Appalachians and find the redneck mansion. <laughs> this is real, by the way. This is real. People travel to see this. They even have bleachers so you can watch the rednecks come out of their abode. But there, there's one more I want to show you, okay? Swimming pools are big. People love swimming pool. You can have an elaborate swimming pool with all of the amenities and incredible structures. Not many of us have that. But you can have a modest one, like most of us have, or you can have the redneck version of a swimming pool. And some of you are not laughing because you're thinking, what's wrong with that? But the reality is this. We're all builders, because we're all building lives. And in this parable, Jesus is speaking about the importance of being the right kind of builder, building with the right materials to have the right outcome. And so when we look at these, this little parable that he, that he tells us, he does what he did last week. He gives us a series of twos and he compares and he contrasts all these different things with one another. And as we unpack this scripture verse today, what we'll discover is what Jesus is going to speak to us about 
is how do we be the right kind of builder and how do we build our lives in such a way that honor him and glorify him and gives us a future that's secure. So let's read together. We'll start in verse 24. Jesus is speaking. I know that because it's in the red in my Bible. And he says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today by your spirit and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's apparent when you read these, you can see that it's clear contrast between two kinds of builders and the outcomes of those projects that they build. And as I said earlier, every one of us is in a building program. Matter of fact, we use the phrase building all the time. Think about it. I'm building a family. I'm building my career. I'm building my reputation. I'm building my resume. I'm building my life. And we use those phrases all the time. But the question comes, what kind of life are you building and how do we build the one that honors Christ? When Jesus is preaching this, he's on the side of a mountain, he's coming to the conclusion and thousands of people are listening. And there are two groups of people in that crowd, just as there are two groups of people in this crowd today. And every single person within both of those groups hears his word. So what is Jesus teaching us? Let me tell you four things that he's teaching us from this passage. Three of them are sets of twos. The first thing Jesus is teaching is this, that there are two kinds of builders. There are only two kinds of builders. When we're building our lives, there are two kinds and two ways that we're going to approach completing that project. And Jesus lays that out very clearly. He tells us the first one is a wise builder. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Then he says there's a second kind of builder who's a foolish builder. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Now, both of these builders have some things in common. They're both constructing a project. We don't know their skills or their experience, but they're both building a structure. The second thing we know that they have in common is they're building in the same location. And the reason we know that is because the same storm hits them. So they're close together. The third thing we know is they're building a similar structure because the structures in those days were very common to one another. It's kind of like a cookie cutter neighborhood and they are building a similar structure. And the fourth thing they have in common is they both hear the words of Jesus. Both of them hear everything he had to say during his sermon about righteousness. They heard him say about not being hypocritical in their lives. They heard him say about two paths and make sure that you choose the narrow way. Both of them hear what Jesus has to say. 
Now, here's what's different about him. The thing that's different about him is one is wise because he hears, but he does. And that's what makes him wise. The other is foolish. He hears, but he does not do the word of God. And there's the contrast between the two. And what Jesus is concerned about is not the structure that they're building, but their lives. And the wise person is the one who hears the word of God, but doesn't just listen to it. He or she is in the business of making it applicable to their lives. The foolish person is the one who hears the word of God, may even enjoy hearing the word of God, may even say, man, I like that, but he or she never applies it to their life. And the picture that Jesus is painting is that each of these builders has been given a blueprint. The wise one takes the blueprint, he opens it up, and he pays close attention to all the details that the architect has. He sees all the angles. He sees all the construction that needs to take place. He knows the materials. And the places that he doesn't quite understand, he puts a question mark by so he can ask the architect later. Or he can say, you know what? I really wouldn't do it this way, but he designed it. He knows better. I'm going to do it exactly the way he says. And he follows the details of the plan so that the architect would be pleased and the house would be constructed in the way the architect desired. The foolish man just opens it up. He looks at it. He says, okay, I see. It's a great structure. I like the design. Looks pretty good. But you know what? I don't know why he did this here. I'm not going to do it that way. My way is better. I'm going to take this approach where I'm going to put my own twist on this. I don't need those materials. I can get them a lot cheaper. Let me kind of cut some corners here and take some shortcuts. I don't know why he did it that way. I would never do it that way. That goes against everything that I've ever known as a builder. I refuse to listen to the architect on that way. And the difference is this. Each of them is building according to a plan. One is walking by it. The other one is adjusting it to their own taste. The picture that Jesus is pointing here is this. The wise builder is the one who follows the word of God. The wise builder is the one who takes the blueprint of how the creator has designed us. The wise builder says, I will study this. I will look at the nuances of what the creator wants. I will live my life according to this way. I don't understand this. I don't even like this. But he designed it that way and I will follow it for his glory. The person who's foolish will say, yeah, I see what it says. I love this. I mean, I love this verse. I'm even memorizing some of these verses, but I really don't have to apply that. I don't need to be walking according to these instructions. I'll create my own path. I'll take some shortcuts. Oh, I'll carry the plan with me, but I'm not going to follow it. And you see the distinction between the two is one hears and obeys. The other one hears and walks away from the plan that God has for him. John R.W. Stott, one of my favorite Bible scholars, he's with the Lord now. He writes these words, they're powerful. He says, the Bible is a dangerous book. For in reading the Bible, we hear the words of Christ and in joining the church, we say we believe in Christ. 
As a result, we belong to the company described by Jesus as both hearing his teaching and calling him Lord. Our membership therefore lays upon us the serious responsibility of ensuring that what we know and what we say is translated into what we do. To give you an illustration, some of you have seen this before. If you've seen it before, you follow along, you do exactly what I say, okay? So I want everybody right here, right now, to take your right hand and your pointer finger out. Just like that. There you go. I want you to hold it right out in front of you. I want you to slowly bring it towards your face and put it right here on your cheek. How many of you do not know where your cheek is? You know why I showed you that? Here's why. Go to the next statement. People pay more attention to what you do than to what you say. You can talk all day about your love for Jesus, but if you're not following his word, people see your life. And when you and I profess to be followers of Christ and that we love him and we can't see the character or his word in our lives, people identify and know exactly what kind of builder you are as does the Lord Jesus. So the wise man, the wise woman, is the one that builds their life on the word of God. God's word becomes the filter of everything. When the culture throws something in, is, does that match God's word? Nope, I can't believe it. My emotion throws something in, does that match God's word? No, I can't believe it. This church down here is saying this, does that match God's word? No, I cannot believe it. And so what happens is, we stand on the true words of Almighty God and we build on the word of Almighty God. Here's the second thing we say. There are two kinds of foundations. Jesus moves right from two kinds of builders to two kinds of foundations. Now I want to tell you, foundation is vitally important for any kind of a building. It's the one thing that you might not see, but it is the most important aspect of any structure that you build. And Jesus says there's two kind of foundations. Let's look at him. He says there's a solid rock. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. So the wise man who hears and does the word of God is on a foundation of rock. There's the other one, sinking sand. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so there's a different kind of foundation. There's a rock bed, there's sand. Now, when we're thinking of sand, we're thinking of the beach, aren't we? We know what happens when you build a castle on the beach. It washes away so quickly. These two people are building in the same area, probably near a riverbed of some kind. And they both know that there's going to be the possibility one day of storms coming along. But there's a difference in the two. The houses look similar on the outside, but you can't see what's underneath it. And the most important aspect of it is the foundation. Let me show you the difference between the two. The wise man, when he builds on a foundation, this is what they had to do in that day. They had to dig deep in the ground. And they had to dig, dig until they found a bedrock, something solid. And then what they would do is after they would dig the perimeter of the house, they would take stones and they would fill that bedrock up with stones to even shore it up more. And then they would build the blocks around that and the house was built deep before it ever went up. And so it was built upon 
the rock. Now, what is the rock in this thing? It's Christ and his word. It's Christ and his word. The rock that is the sure foundation is the person of Jesus Christ, a relationship with him, but it is his word. Let me tell you, we cannot separate Christ from his word. People want to do that all the time. I love Jesus, but I don't follow his word. Eh, something's wrong there. Why? Because his word is his character and you cannot separate the two. And the wise person is built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and on the very words that he speaks. What happens to the other man, the foolish man? He doesn't just build on the top of the ground. Sometimes we think that. He actually digs some in the ground. He digs just deep enough to make himself feel secure. And as he feels secure, he says, well, you know, this is good enough. I think this will hold. And then he begins to build. And the problem is it is going to shift and the foundation will become obvious. It's kind of like this picture that many of you are familiar with. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I was there in May. Got to go to Pisa. Got to see this fabulous site. The guy who built this did not calculate the foundation and the weight of it. And when it began to lead, he was so embarrassed, he left town, never to be seen again. So while I was visiting here, I thought I would try to help it out a little bit and straighten it up, but I just <laughs> couldn't quite get it there. And the reality is, you can, t you can take that off. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> the reality is, when you're building on shifting sand, you can't straighten it up. It's unstable in all of its ways. And as I said, the person that builds on the character of Christ and in his word is the one who digs deep. And the higher you want to go, the deeper you've got to dig. And the child of God that digs deep into the words of God grows higher in their understanding of his knowledge. The one that digs deep into prayer is the one that grows higher in their understanding of his will. The one that digs deep in spending intimate time with Jesus grows higher in the understanding of his heart. The one that digs deep into worship and adoration of Christ is the one who grows higher in an engagement and a connection with the creator. But the one who's content with surface, the one who's content with just easy life, Digging deep is too hard, it's backbreaking, it's meticulous, it takes too much time. Here's what I want to do. I want just enough to feel good about myself, but here's the problem. Shallow Christians only experience a shallow engagement with a deep God. And what Jesus is saying, listen, there are two kinds of people. They're the builders who build on the character of Christ and the foundation is firm and those who build by the concepts of culture and what happens is the foundation is fleeting so there are two builders two foundations but then he says this there are, are common certainties for both what are the common certainties they both face the exact same things and what do they face a storm and they're nearly identical in the way Jesus says it. Notice this. The wise man and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. The foolish man and the rain fell 
And the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. Almost identical things. And what we're learning from this is, listen, every single person in this room is going to go through difficulties. Every one of us will go through trials. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says that count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Not if, when. And so the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Every single person will go through difficulties. Christians, you are not exempt from pain. Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And what Jesus is painting a picture here is both are going to face storms. The one who is wise, the one who is foolish, there will be storms, there will be difficulties, there will be disappointments, there will be depression, there will be death, there will be discouragement. There will be all of these trials will hit both of us the same. But there's a different outcome. And here's how Jesus says it. The the last thing, there are two outcomes. And we see the outcomes. It's really interesting the way he says it. First, talking about the wise man. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now the foolish man. And the rain fell And the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The wise man on a foundation on the character and the word of Christ and the trials come and the difficulties hit and yet it stands firm. Oh, there may be some shaking. There may even be some tremors. There may even be a little doubt, maybe fear, but ultimately when the rain and the storm has passed, the foundation of the wise man's life is intact. Not so the foolish. The same storm comes. And because it's not built on the character of Christ and on the word of Christ, what happens? The cultural winds blow and take it away. Now here's the difference I want you to see between two little prepositions. For the wise man, it says it beat on that house. It's interesting. Why? One scholar says this. The storm came in its pressure and its heaviness and fell on the house. And for the believer whose life is on the solid bedrock of Jesus Christ, and for the believer who's walking by adhering in obedience to the word of God, when the pressures of life come upon you, they just simply push you deeper on the solid rock. When difficulties come, they push me to Jesus. When trials come, they push me to his word. When questions come, they push me to seek the heart of God. And the greater the pressure, the greater it pushes us towards our dependency on the one who knows us best. I love that. But for the person who's foolish, it blew against the house. It didn't have to come on the top. Why? Because the winds of culture and the shifting powers and the pressures of this fallen world can push so easily and hit the side of a house. And what does it do? If there's no foundation, it's caught in the current and it's taken away. The last words of this parable, Jesus says it this way. And the fall of it was, was and the great 
was the fall of it. In the, in the, in the Greek, that literally means there was nothing left. The house was completely demolished, completely destroyed. All that was left was the debris that was caught into the flood and carried off, not even recognizable as a structure. And so Jesus makes it very, very clear that there are two builders, the two foundations. There's one common certainty of trials and storms, but there are two outcomes. Now, he closes this with some final words, or at least Matthew does. And as he wraps this whole sermon series up, he says, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, when you go through the gospel of Mark, you will see this over and over and over and over. And they were amazed and they were amazed and they were amazed at his teaching. They'd never heard anybody teach like that before. The word astonished in the Greek, we can't even find one English word to wrap our head around what it really means. It means marvelously and mysteriously in awe. Astonished, amazed, standing by myself in unbelief, or in our culture, blown my mind. They couldn't comprehend. It was so great. And his authority was unlike the authority that anyone has ever heard. Two things in closing and leaving all this together. And here's what it is. Number one, the words of Jesus are not to be admired, but to be obeyed. Did you hear that? The words of Jesus are not to be admired, but to be obeyed. It's real easy for you to be in a crowd like that and be so astonished at the words of Jesus, walk away, contemplate them, but your life never change. I like what he said there, but it hasn't changed my thinking. I like the way he put that, but it hasn't changed my lifestyle. I've heard them, I've admired them, but I haven't obeyed them. The hallmark of a true believer, and Jesus says this, if you love me, you will what? Obey me, obey me. The mark of a person who belongs to Christ is obedience, not perfect obedience because we can never achieve that. Every single day, you and I will walk through this life. There will be impressions that we get from the Holy Spirit and we will not obey. But we're covered by the grace of Christ because of our commitment of being on that solid rock and seeking to live according to his word. Some of you will walk out of this today and say, man, that was really good. Man, that really stirred my heart. But your life won't change. You've been admiring it but you haven't done anything about it. But the wise person is the one that says, man, I heard that. Have I really been digging deep into my relationship with Christ? Am I really committed to the plan that God has for me in living? And even though I'm confused with it or I don't even agree with it, do I submit to it? What is God calling you to? And the kind of builder he wants you to be. Don't be amazed and astonished and admiring. Obey it. Walk in that truth. You know the thing that gets me so many times about the church 
The church always wants new truth. They want new perspectives. They want new approaches. And we're not even living by the old truth that we know we should live by. Don't worry about the new stuff. Deal with the stuff that you already know and walk in obedience in it. Here's the second thing. The words of Jesus are not mere men's words, but authoritative truth for all of life. This is what blows me away. They admired him because not only his sayings, but his authority. And that day, all the teachers quoted someone else. The scribes would quote some rabbis. The religious leaders would quote some other religious people. None of them was original. When they taught, they always quoted what other people said. Jesus never quoted anybody else. He quoted himself. That's what I love about it. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Why? Because his words are authoritative. His words are life. Jesus never had to quote anybody else. He is God. While people in that culture may have said, so help me, God, Jesus literally could say, so help me, me. (laughs) Or Father, or Holy Spirit, because he's authoritative. And what does that mean? Listen to me. When you're walking by the word of God, you can trust it. That if Jesus said it, it is true. If Jesus has given us direction, it is for our well-being. If he says, this is the way I want marriage to be, it's by his design. If this is the way I want family to be, it's by his design. This is the way I want you to walk in culture, it is by his design. And we can go through every aspect of human life. And when we walk according to his word, we can walk in the authority of it and know that I am safe. A few months ago, everybody was connected to the television because of the, that little submersible sub, the Titan, going to see the Titanic. And we watched for days and days and days to see when the oxygen was going to run out. But little did we know that the Titan had imploded among itself pretty quickly. And the reason it imploded is because the pressure on the outside of that vessel was greater than the pressure on the inside. And when that pressure came against it, it literally curled it up in less than one nanosecond, everybody was destroyed. But in that same region, little fish can swim at the same depth and never be injured by the pressures of the water. Why? Because there is an internal pressure in them that is greater than the external pressure around them. And they can go to the very bottom of where the Titanic is and never be afraid of the pressures around them. The wise person built on the rock of Jesus, walking by the word of God, has an internal pressure in the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you that's greater than the pressures around you. And there's your safety. There's your authority. There's your truth. So believers, Jesus is saying today, you have all heard, but will you obey? Believers, Christians, make a commitment today to go deeper, to dig deeper, 
to trust God for his design for your life and for your family and lean into him as the authoritative person who has the power to overcome any struggles around you for his glory. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you're on shifting sand. And you might say, oh, no, 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 I'm pretty solid. I'm pretty based. You haven't seen the storms of life that can come. And it's not only that storm, but there is a storm coming one day when you will stand before God. And that's the storm you will not escape. And your only hope is in Christ. He's the solid rock. And I would ask you today, you have seen the things of this world and you know how they change. And there's no stability in them. But in Jesus Christ, there is stability and hope and life. And he's calling you today to surrender to him. Here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand. And here's what we're going to do, believers. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song in closing. That's a declaration, but it's also encouragement for what we face in life. And if you're not a believer, during that song, here's what you can do. You can say, dear Lord, I am a sinner. And the ground that I'm on is shaky, but right now I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Place me on that solid rock where I can live for you forever. Would you stand with me right now? Stand. Father, we thank you for the truth that we have heard this morning. It's sobering, it's tough, but it's very, very encouraging that in Christ we're secure. But Father, help us to be people whose foundation in you is deep so that our experience of your presence is high. That we might trust you in all manners of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.